Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Product Marketing Life podcast, brought to you by the Product Marketing Alliance. I'm your host, Mark Cazzini, Product Marketing Manager at Jobber. Every two weeks, I connect with PMMs all over the world about a product marketing topic of their choice. We're kicking off 2023 a bit differently than in years past. This time around, we're going to be passing the hosting reins over to our friends at Ghost Ranch Communications. You probably haven't heard of Ghost Ranch, and that's because they live behind the scenes, helping B2B product marketers bring their stories to life with consultative presentation and sales-enabling asset design services. Even though as a product marketer, you're often asked to develop some of your organization's most valuable content and assets that help drive revenue and adoption, it's rare that you have access to your own dedicated design team. As a result, you usually find yourself waiting in the same queue as the rest of the org. Ghost Ranch is that fractional design arm dedicated to helping product marketing teams bring their ideas to life with a level of responsiveness and collaboration that is hard to find in in-house or from full-service agencies. In this week's show, Mikey Miodusky, the founder and CEO of Ghost Ranch, sits down for a conversation with Esther Yu, the Vice President of Industry and Product Marketing at Ring Central. Together, they discuss visual storytelling, product keynotes, and the importance of a holistic approach to messaging. Esther also shares a refreshing outlook on what she anticipates for product marketers in 2023. Beyond that, Esther breaks down what separates good product marketers from freaking phenomenal product marketers, why she tries to look at messaging from a holistic multimedia view, her advice for convincing the C-suite on the value of greater narrative development, and finally, her view of how sales will actually use your slides and why she intentionally designs for composability to ensure the message will adhere. All right, with that out of the way, take it away, Mikey. All right. Hey there. This is Mikey Maduski. I'm the founder and CEO of a presentation agency called Ghost Ranch Communications. And we're a remote company that loves working with product marketers to help them better enable their field or, or show up strong for a big uh, product keynote, things like that. And I am honored and delighted today to be speaking with the vice president of industry and product marketing at Ring Central, Esther Yoon. Esther, thank you so much for, for joining me for a, a conversation about all things presentation, nerdery, storytelling, product marketing. Yeah, absolutely. I love nerding out on product marketing. It's something yes. that, you know, I'm kind of a weirdo in the sense that it's a role that is incredibly strategic. It's tough. I call ourselves kind of the trash can of marketing, but I love every aspect of it for some reason. And I'm still in it. So you are, <laughs> yeah. you are. And I was going to, I was going to start there too, is like, how the heck did you get into it? Because I haven't met one product marketer who has the same, you know, path of entry. And I was going to ask you what you wanted to be when you grew up and, and maybe how you stumbled into what you're doing now. You know, I wanted to be, um, I actually don't know what it's called, but I've, uh, as a kid, I've always wanted to be the person who makes soundtracks for movies. I've always had kind of a creative side, but um, one of the things I realized is I'm actually not very good at being <laughs> creative to the extent that, you know, one calls themselves like an artist or anything like that. Um, I'm not a designer by any means. I don't have that knack. I'm just good enough where I can recognize and appreciate you know really good music art uh all of that so i started off um exploring in different areas where i can express my creativity like i loved being on the industrial design team as a ux intern and you know from there i switched over into marketing because i just couldn't hang with the ux folks they are just so incredibly brilliant and quite honestly i'm like i don't think i'm ever going to be that successful here so i went into marketing which was kind of a more balanced skill set of creative, but being very business oriented. Um, I was always a pretty, you know, good writer. Uh, so I went into comms. Then from there, I was actually, um, I was actually reached out to the product marketing leader at a company um, that I was at. And they said, Hey, you have a really great knack for turning, you know, uh, product value into like a story. 
into a story that people want to read. And, you know, she was like, hey, I want to give you a shot on my team. And she's like, are you interested? So I, I jumped over. And then from there, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to do. It's, it's the perfect amount of creative, perfect amount of strategy, perfect amount of just marketing generalists, because I've always wanted to dabble in everything. <laughs> and so, yeah, never looked back. That's great. And I imagine it's it's evolved over the last few years. How, how have you seen product marketing evolve in, in your space? Product marketing has never truly had a solid identity from, from what I've seen. Um, it varies at every single company. Are you a full stack product marketer? Do you just, you know, product, mar- <laughs> I guess product marketing is everything and anything because it's, you tend to be a SME and a marketing generalist. Um, so it's highly dependent on the products within a company. And, and that's why it has a tendency to be so varied. I've always sought after roles that I consider as like full stack product marketing, looking at the entire life cycle of a product from, you know, partnering closely with engineers and PMs, product managers, all the way to ensuring its success and adoption and, and, you know, longevity to, you know, extend customer lifetime value. That's great. And you, you mentioned, you know, someone recognized that knack that you have for taking a something super technical and maybe doing some of that like English to English translation, you know, to tell, turn it into a story that sticks with the audience at play. And we know a lot of times that comes in the medium of, of something like a presentation. And you've stood out to us as one of those clients who tends to take those big presentation opportunities very seriously. I think, I think we, we ran into you as y'all were preparing for a big industry keynote. And, you know, since then we've, we've seen you really throw your, your work and effort into these analyst summits or analyst roadshows, you know, things like cab events or just user conferences in general. Why do you think you take that so seriously? What, what's at stake, you know, to get that yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. So this is one of the biggest downfalls of product marketers. And this to me is what separates good product marketers from freaking phenomenal product marketers. All product marketers are relatively familiar with the messaging framework. It's this doc, however long it may be, one page, 15 pages um, that takes and in, in manifests in kind of a just a Word doc or Google doc format of, you know, your core pillars, your benefit statements, your value props, the supporting features, etc. But one of the things that's super important that I don't see a lot of product marketers really lean into is the manifestation of that messaging. Meaning it's one thing to have it on a doc that can scale to different teams so that you can, you know, scale out consistent messaging across the org. But messaging is just a single component. To me, there's visual messaging. There's how does that messaging manifest as a, a way, you know, on a, let's say, for example, on a presentation. It's, it's one thing to have words on a slide, right? But when you pair that with the visual component that tells a story without you having to read anything, it really adds gravitas and um, an impact. And so I try to look at messaging more holistically across all different mediums of manifestation, meaning it's not just copy. You know, if you're making a video, there's the audio component, right? There's mm-hmm. there's the motion graphics, there's the talent, there's all of it, right? In the context of a presentation, you know, words on a slide, one thing, but when you can do it in a way that kind of brings in the visual best practices, I mean, we're visual creatures, right? Mm-hmm. What do people say? Like, you know, nowadays there's, everyone has the attention span of a goldfish and messaging docs tend to be long and hairy and we live and breathe in it. But honestly, we have to land it pretty quickly with our customers and our stakeholders. And so the visual component is one of the most like underutilized ways that I think product marketers look at messaging 
Meaning we go, okay, like it's good enough. It's internal documentation. And that actually, um, you're, you're really doing your messaging a disservice there. Mm-hmm. So Esther, I know you, yes, you did have that generalist background. Not everyone listening product marketer wise, you know, might be great at messaging, but might feel a little um, imposter syndrome or be worried that, hey, I'm not a designer. So I don't know what to, to really do about that. But what are some ways that you think more PMMs could could like really lean into or explore like how do I think more visually? You know, they don't necessarily have to execute it, right? But how have you developed that skill set over the years? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, really great messaging ends with, you know, that complete manifestation, but it starts with really great competitive positioning. Um, it starts with a clear understanding of how your your solution has a product market fit, who your target audience is. And then somewhere in between, one of the things that I like to do is think of the analogies that we can relate with or that are culturally relevant or trending, you know, especially if the messaging is being told in a specific time and place or to a specific audience. Um, and, and so, you know, we had this idea of like, how do we want to make CIOs feel? Well, we have that all, you know, written out in our messaging doc. But I'm like, well, there's an analogy here. Like, you want to feel like a hero. You want to feel like, you know, you saved your company from whatever your quote unquote, you know, metaphorical villains are. And we're like, dude, let's just run with it. (laughs) Let's create a visual theme called CIOs are the new superheroes. And man, let me tell you that that really resonates, right? You bring in your messaging, you combine it with something that's relatable on a personal level, culturally relevant, um, easy to understand, right? Superheroes versus villains, right? Good versus bad. And then you kind of marry it with your messaging and and then the visuals, right? We went straight up into, no, let's draw a cape, draw like, <laughs> you know, put our logo as like the Superman sign on the chest. And then, you know, the things that we're trying to combat in in the enterprise, like those are villains, like give me a Joker manifestation, like let's fully run with this. And it really landed well at our, at our keynote. That's amazing. And what are some signs, like, how do you know it, it is working, you know, during and after a keynote like that, that it was worth the effort and the uh, outside the box thinking? Yeah. I mean, the first sign I knew it was working was when like one of our competitors kind of come, came up to us and they were like, hey, you know, on the low key, that was a pretty awesome presentation. Like we're taking notes and they're flattering us. And it was it was really great to kind of get that validation, especially from a from a competitor. But you know, when you know it's really working is when you see your messaging being sticky and, and mm-hmm. people want to share it, right? And you see that it's resonating with customers and they're saying, wow, like your story is so different from what I've heard. And, you know, that's what I want to bring to my organization. Like that is what I'm paying for. Because quite honestly, you're providing a product, a solution, a service, whatever. And it's trying to stick out from the noise. Like I'm in a very saturated industry. There are a lot of competitors, you know, there don't get me started with how many video conferencing, cloud telephony messaging uh, providers that are out there. Um, So you have to, you know, you know, it's successful when your story sticks out from the noise in a way that resonates with your customers. And from an internal standpoint, like your team members, your employees, your sales reps, they want to share it. Mm -hmm. Like I got so many messages that are like, can you give us that deck? And I'm like, give me one second. We're like salesifying it. So, you know, those are all kind of qualitative metrics for like, wow, this this is really working. That's great. And I, I want to get back to that sort of the life cycle of a of a deck too. You know, I love that term salesifying it. Um, but first too, because I, I think I think again, people listening are are like, yes, I understand the value. What if they're having a hard time selling, you know, yeah, we want to go crazy on a on a big keynote like this? Cause 
because the product marketer knows the value and knows that it's worth that investment. How do they sell it up chain if they're having a hard time, you know, con- conveying the value of better, more cogent, you know, and beautiful and standoutish narrative? Any any tips you've had there? Yeah, yeah. So there's kind of different ways to look at it. So if you're trying to sell like the importance of a keynote, meaning should you invest in a keynote? Like that's that's a totally different stakeholder process, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, if you're trying to look to convince why you need to invest in visual, like visually manifesting the messaging in the more impact in a more impactful manner, um, and telling your key stakeholders on why certain narratives are important and how to manifest in a way that's going to drive impact, like that's that's a different approach. And and the way I start with why do we need a narrative? Do we need a narrative? When I get asked those questions, um, and honestly, typically at Ring Central, I don't get asked mm-hmm. those questions because uh, I found that our leadership truly understands the impact and the value of really great messaging. But what I've done in the past is, you know, I've sat in a room with executives and I said, hey, so like, how would you tell our differentiated story? Someone mm-hmm. comes up to you at a trade show and they go, what makes Ring Central special? Or what makes, you know, XYZ, you know, your company name here special? Why should I give you my money? I guarantee you, if you had the guts to share that out and ask that question in your executive meeting, you will likely get a ton of varied responses that are all really inconsistent, um, not really cogent, not differentiated from, you know, other, maybe what your competitors offer. And you'll start to see the light bulbs go off. Like, wow. If our executives, if you know, can't even tell this narrative in a clean, consistent manner, imagine what our sales reps are telling our prospects and customers, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an exercise that I've brought in is I don't have to do the convincing. I just have to ask the right questions to get the light bulbs going off. And, and typically that goes into, well, if you can't sell your own product and if you can't find the white space in your industry amongst your competition, then your sales reps probably can't and we should probably help them. And that's where the messaging happens. But then also, you know, it's not just about conversations. It's about the presentations. It's about, you know, all the different touch points across marketing, video assets, ads, and how your messaging manifests in those kind of mm-hmm. mediums. Um, so either working really closely with the creative, with your creative teams, but typically they, they tend to be very busy and, and focused directly on pipeline attributing assets. You know, that's why we work so closely with Ghost Ranch who's, you know, worked very closely with our brand team to make sure that there's brand mm-hmm. consistency and everything's like creative kosher. It really helps scale, you know, operations across marketing and product. Yeah, that's huge. I guess the, uh, yeah, I mean, if you're not aligned up top and it's uh, always eye-opening to know that that is very common, right? And and yeah, how does that just cascade down and, and out? And I think you hit the nail on the head that it, it really doesn't. And people have to sort of, you know, get clever and get creative and interpret and, and try to articulate things how best they can. So yeah, that that alignment up top and consistency throughout sounds like it, you're, you're better set up to scale, which is awesome. Um, so then that, that, that thought of, okay, the life of a deck like that, you, you have a great event, everyone in sales and your CS managers and the like are like, okay, we need those slides like ASAP. What is that process to salesify or to create the different variables and parts and pieces that that you think um, the rest of the org will need? And how do you prioritize those as far as like the release might go? Yeah, I mean, you kind of go through uh, what are you trying to accomplish and who's your audience? Yeah, at a keynote, it's very different, right? You're kind of driving thought leadership, you know, depending on the duration of your keynote, you're keeping things a little bit higher level 
And it's really driving the hook of what your company's trying to do without being too salesy. Like, it, you know, at a keynote, the worst thing you can do is just go up there and, and use that platform to pitch and pitch and pitch. People want to learn. People want to, uh, you know, garner insights. And so it's slightly different. You know, it, it, it it's designed for a slightly different purpose. On the sales side, you have a goal to educate prospects on your value that you can provide directly. So it definitely is that pitch uh, environment, right? So the messaging stays consistent, but we add and and modify different components so that we can go deeper, like into product details and and uh, what I call make it real moments. Here's how the product does this to help you accomplish X Y Z, um, and a lot of that's dependent on you know sales discovery calls and all that. But in the end, what happens is we leverage these components that we used in the keynote to drive consistency across all the different customer touch points. Mm-hmm. And, and this is where I get down to, you know, um, GhostRadge has really helped us scale our messaging across all the different customer uh, touch points from keynote all the way to, you know, fourth customer or fourth prospect call and has allowed us to preserve messaging integrity and keep brand consistency, even across things like presentations and sales pitch decks, which, you know, occasionally turn into this Frankenstein type of a deck, right? Mm -hmm. Because everyone's like, oh, it's not, it's not pretty enough. Let me modify it. Um, By trickling down kind of the content that we've created for, you know, these flagship events, um, it has really raised the caliber of our content across the board. Love to hear that. And, and I, I think too, you know, I think product marketers being such a, a wide and varied title and job description at every different org often hear that, hey, can you make this pretty kind of thing? And so many ad hoc requests from sales. Have you noticed a positive impact then when you have tightened things up? Um, are you seeing or experiencing any any less of that? Or is it easier to deal with? Absolutely easy to deal with. Um, kind of going back to, you know, once you have a core set of of narratives that you're trying to drive and that you create a course set of visually kosher slides or presentation materials that you can reuse and repurpose, um, it makes the product marketing job a lot easier. Meaning, well, in the end, it's messaging. Now it's going to manifest in slightly different ways, but at least you have a course set of assets that you can go back to and, you know, kind of distill into different formats. Um, we've even exported some of the presentation slides as images for blogs because we're like, this totally flies. It looks great. So absolutely, we do get a lot of less make it pretty uh, slides. We do get a lot more consistency and we do get a lot uh, less sleepless nights of like, oh my gosh, I hope this sales rep doesn't just, you know, take our slide and then rejigger it to whatever because it's already gorgeous and they're already pretty pumped on it. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And do you have, I know there's so many different frameworks and best practices out there. Do you have the own Esther Yoon, like best practices or like architecture of a sales deck that, you know, it's got to have, it's got to check these boxes. Do you, do you have like some, some ideas around something that, you know, makes for a, a pretty decent flow or, you know, sort of outline for a, for a sales deck or does it just totally depend on the the scenario? Well, it depends on the scenario and the products that you're offering and how how complex. Is it a hardware product that you're selling services? Uh, do you have, are you multi-product SaaS vendor? So um, it really does vary. What we typically have done to get the best results of usage, but also impact of sales pitch decks is work very, very closely with our sales leaders and our sales enablement managers to say, 
hey, what are what are the types of calls that you're driving? What's your sales strategy, right? Um, there are different types of sales best practices that you know your your chief revenue officer might be driving. And I'm not going to talk about RingCentral specifically, but um, you know you have, for example, you could have a framework where the first call is about discovery. The second call is typically an hour long, and the goals are X, Y, Z. And mapping your pitch deck to those goals will get maximum usage out of them. And also, you'll just be more aligned with your sales teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we start with that framework. Um, the the second thing that I found is you will always assume always that your your reps, especially if you're talking about multi product portfolios, will build their own slides in a way that's best suited to their needs. So kind of design with that in mind, meaning design for composability. Um, make sure that you're being very intentional about that versus like, no, you have to have these slides in this specific order and in this format because it will get broken. That's just kind of the nature of the beast here. Unless you have a very like, you know, single product experience where it's like, hey, typically we have one sales call, like we're going to pump, like we just want something that we can PDF out to them. Sure. But I found in most B2B SaaS, you know, portfolios, that's, that's really not the case. So I design with composability in mind, meaning assume sales is going to want to just kind of say, well, I only want to talk about this or I want to double click into this more. And and so we always have a pretty robust set of appendix slides. Um, we have, you know, product components that, you know, they can mix and match based on the, their discoverability. Something that I have kept consistent, though, is the narrative that you kick off with, like set the stage in a way that's differentiated, carves out your white space in the industry. And then, yeah, go from there, work with your sales enablement and sales managers to, to you know, define the rest of how you want to format your pitch deck. That's pretty enlightened. I, I love that acknowledgement of how, how things really work. And yeah, like it sounds like a great way to meet them in the middle, you know. How about what, what are you excited about for like 2023 and, and excited to, to focus on in, in your own career? What am I excited about? Mm, 2023 is going to be, I think, a really great year for product marketers because... You know, um, a lot of organizations are are buckling down on budget. Resources are getting tight, etc. Um, so, from a marketer, I'm really excited because product marketers tend to thrive in these kind of resource constraint eras. You know, we're not like growth or demand gen where our uh, marketing activities are typically dependent on like really large budgets. This is, I think, a really great opportunity for product marketing to flex their prowess around being really aware of customer needs and issues and really helping bring that to light across the entire organizations uh, or across the entire organization, partner community, et cetera. So I'm really excited about that because it just creates an environment where I think, you know, if you're a great product marketer, you can really take your marketing to the next level. Generally speaking, as a marketer, I'm really excited to see kind of this new era of marketing where we kind of get back into getting more creative overall. I think mm-hmm. the past two years, especially with the pandemic and so many um, SaaS industries, it's been kind of the golden era where you didn't have to necessarily be a great marketer to do well. It, you can just kind of run basic digital advertising, social, whatever. Like there was a lot of money flowing in. No, I think when budgets get tighter and you know people are like, oh, like you really have to find more creative ways, more like guerrilla marketing approaches um, to reaching your audience and and you know manifesting that messaging uh, in a in a more exciting and different way. 
So I'm kind of excited for the gold, like what I consider a more scrappier golden era of marketing in 2023. Oh, I love that. That's some silver lining. I love how you how you view the the world, Esther. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, I know it's you got to get excited about something. It's just been a really rough, honestly, 2022 so far for a lot of folks. Yeah. But um, you know, during this times is when you really see people getting creative, and and that's something I'm looking forward to. That's great. And how do you stay fresh uh, for for your day to day? I know I know you have a pretty active adventure lifestyle. Um, yeah, what do you like to do for fun? Oh, I'm I'm an avid mountain biker, and I surf, and I play volleyball. And I think you need to do stuff like that in order to stay fresh, right? In product marketing, you are so deep into sometimes the technical details, competitive research, and it's really easy to get burnt out. The most impact I've brought to the organization or every organization I work that typically comes after like a week or two week long vacation mm-hmm. when I have a fresh pair of eyes on things or when I hit the refresh button on my brain or I get just inspiration from things outside of the context of my industry, which tends to be very insular. And yeah, just c- quite honestly, like it's a lot of recycling of ideas that I see and, and you need to rip yourself away from that. So I highly recommend like if you're in product marketing or marketing in general, make time to go on that walk or find a new hobby. It's You need that fresh perspective to keep your messaging and ideas fresh as well. That's that's what I firmly believe. That's great. And I mean, it sounds like from your background as a, a generalist, you tried a lot of things and I'm sure that's what it, what's informed you to have a more sort of that comprehensive view, you know, that helps you, I don't know, maybe better position things because you can you can zoom out and, and understand how the the world and different industries work. So props to you for that. Um, and then my favorite question, Esther, is, um, okay, you're about to take the next big keynote or a TED talk or something. What is going to be your walkout song? Oh, man. Okay. So there's this band called Karangbin. Super awesome. Um, they've been working with Leon Bridges, but Karangbin, people everywhere, that's my jam. It's been on my Spotify wrapped for like four years in a row as the number one song. So I obviously have to walk out to it in my next keynote. Bam. Okay. Yeah, that's got some stay power. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. excited to, to tune into that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Esther, do you have any any other parting shots or anything you'd like to plug before we you know depart for the year? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as a product marketer, we try to fill in all the gaps that we can, right? Whenever there's a, a gap in marketing or in the go-to-market process, we tend to be the type of of folks that like say, hey, don't worry, like we'll cover this. And in order to keep the go-to-market engine moving, you know, messaging and that creative manifestation of that is something that we're obviously responsible for. But creative manifestation, visual manifestation of your messaging is so important. I highly recommend working very closely with experts to make sure that like you don't have to be the expert in anything and everything. You have to be the expert in messaging and positioning. So partnering really close with vendors or you know your creative teams that are the experts or SMEs when it comes to visual representation, visual manifestation, it's t- it's going to take your messaging to the next level. Trust me on this. Like you will do yourself a favor by opening up bandwidth and then you'll elevate all your content with messaging that people want to share and that will click with folks a lot more instantly versus having to read, you know, a paragraph or a bunch of copy on screen. So, you know, just it's something that I think is really important for product marketing organizations to look at is what's the work stream for? 
how you work with creative partners to manifest your messaging and how can you turn that into a well-oiled machine to be successful as a product marketer. Oh, that's great. Love that. Collaboration equals <laughs> greater adoption, hopefully. And yeah, and a, a successful launch of whatever you're working on. That's awesome. Yeah. Know what you're good at and know what others are great at. Combine it and boom, you get something better. Make some magic. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Esther, thank you so much for joining me. And um, yeah, we we love following you and your career. And uh, yeah, we're wishing you the best. And yeah, some some exciting creativity to dive into in 2023. So we'll, we'll be watching. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Mikey. It was an honor to be featured on this show. All right. Thanks so much. For everyone still tuned in, thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please help us spread the word to other product marketers. Before we leave you to get on with your day, if you want to get involved, here are a few ways you can. If you're a product marketer and you want to come on the show and speak about your day, a specific topic or your role in general, that's one option. If you want to flex your podcast hosting skills, being a guest host is another. And finally, if you or your company want to sponsor an episode, there's a third. Thanks again and have a great morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are.